Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. The news department here at WFHB has been working since February with Limestone Post magazine to do in-depth investigations into issues that directly affect us here in Bloomington, Monroe County, and South Central Indiana. Each month, our station and Limestone Post tackle a single topic in what we're calling the Deep Dive. The Limestone Post introduces the topic with an extensive online story, and then WFHB News follows up with a series of related reports over the next four weeks. So far, our two news-gathering organizations have looked into the opioid settlement and the housing crisis. Future deep dives include the tree inventory on the Indiana University campus, the region's power grid, and much more. In the summer, I will be sharing a story about water quality in Lake Monroe, now and in the future. It's a follow-up on a story I did for Limestone Post in December 2016. That was entitled, Is Bloomington's Tap Water Safe? A Full Report. This time around, I'll be looking at the factors and conditions affecting the water in Lake Monroe. In March, I spoke with Maggie Sullivan, watershed coordinator for the Friends of Lake Monroe, an independent nonprofit that advocates for a clean and safe lake. Lake Monroe is the source of our drinking water and is the place where some of our treated wastewater goes. We'll find out how hard it is to produce clean drinking water from the lake and how equally hard it is to prevent the many pollutants from entering it. Today we present a part of my conversation with Maggie Sullivan. We'll be presenting more conversations on this topic between now and the summer. Keep it tuned here at WFHB for our deep dive into Lake Monroe's water this summer and go to limestonepost.com for that story and other compelling articles every week. Now, our chat with Friends of Lake Monroe's Watershed Coordinator, Maggie Sullivan. You are the Watershed Coordinator for the Friends of Lake Monroe. Watershed Coordinator, what does that mean? Well, first let me define the word watershed because not everyone knows what that means. That's the area of land that drains to a particular water body. So in this case, all the area that drains into Lake Monroe, which is about 440 square miles. It's a big area. And the watershed coordinator works on improving the water quality of that water body and its watershed because we know what happens in the watershed impacts the lake itself. Every time it rains, that water goes somewhere. Yes. If you stand outside and watch, you can see which direction it goes from anywhere you are, and it'll head to the nearest stream mm -hmm. for the most part. And so there are quite a few streams that flow into other streams, which flow eventually into Lake Monroe. So North Fork Salt Creek is one a lot of people know. If you're out in uh, Brown County, you'll see the signs for Sweetwater Creek or Nawbone Creek. All of those eventually flow into the lake. The topography is unique to this area. So we're unusual for Indiana in two ways. One is our topography. We're very hilly. The other is that we're very forested, which you don't see in the northern parts of the state. And that has an impact on water quality in a couple ways. That hilly land is more susceptible to erosion. And if you read about the history of, say, Brown County State Park, which is within the watershed, that land was cleared and farmed, and then the farmers realized it was not a good place to farm because all the soil just washed down the hill. 
So the forest is actually a really good use for those hilly pieces of land because those trees stabilize the soil, they help absorb some of the water, and uh, you're not constantly disturbing the soil. The forest is pretty static. As someone explained it to me once, we hear about geology of mountains being pushed up. Yeah. And in our area, the hills were eroded down. Yeah. And so it continues to erode down. The soil's just very erosive. Maggie Sullivan, watershed coordinator, Friends of Lake Monroe, you're an environmental engineer. Environmental engineering can cover a lot of ground. Uh, I specialized in soil and water management. Uh So what are engineering structures that will help us keep the soil where we want it, uh, out of the water, and help us manage water flow to avoid flooding, to improve water quality? Now you say keep the soil out of the water. Well, so what? What if it goes into the water? What's the big deal? Soil is actually the number one pollutant that we worry about. And part of it is that soil carries a lot of other things with it. Uh It carries nutrients like fertilizer. It can carry bacteria. It can carry metals and chemicals. And part of it is that it accumulates and it has a big impact wherever it lands. Um, It can recreate whole stream beds and cause blockages that cause flooding. And it's a little bit tricky because to some extent it's very natural for erosion to happen and for sediment to move downstream. That's what streams do. But we humans have changed the landscape so Uh much that we are speeding up that process. And we also have a tendency to, you know, build houses next to streams. So we really don't want them to flood. So there's a, a lot of a balancing act that happens in trying to manage that soil and water movement. Now, where I live... We have a septic tank out in the back. Mm-hmm. And I suppose eventually all that stuff, when I flush the toilet, everything makes its way down to Lake Monroe. Yeah. If your septic system is working properly, everything goes into your septic tank and there's little bacteria in there that That's break right. down a lot of it. Uh, it's also designed for the solids to sink to the bottom and the fats to float to the top. So only the water part should be flowing out into your septic field. And then it goes trickles through the soil where there's more bacteria that eat more of the stuff mm-hmm. and provide some filtration. So ideally, your septic system releases pretty clean water. But if there's a failure, then you are dumping sewage into yeah. our streams. The water we use, we drink, we get rid of through our bodies and so forth, flows through the earth, goes into the lake for us to drink again. It comes around. Constant cycle. It's the water cycle. The water cycle. Is the water we're drinking safe right now? I would say yes. Why? Because we have a utilities company that does a very good job treating that water and monitoring that water to make sure that it is clean and safe to drink. Mm-hmm. But it has to, you can't drink the water right out of the lake. That You would be, what, maybe dying? Maybe? Maybe. More likely you'll have some intestinal discomfort. And not necessarily, okay. you could get lucky, but uh, it's not a risk I would recommend. Would you uh, bring a dog to Lake Monroe and let the dog swim in the lake? Most of the year, I wouldn't worry too much about bringing a dog, but when the algae counts are really high, which tends to be in late summer and early fall, that's when we get a little more concerned, both for animals and for ourselves. And that's when the water treatment plant uses a little more of their disinfectant on our water. 
Yeah, it gets a lot harder to treat the water when you've got an algal bloom. You've got a lot more of that material that you have to filter out. And then, uh, yeah, often you need to use a little more disinfectant to make sure that the water's safe to drink. Who controls Lake Monroe? It's complicated. It's not a natural lake. The lake was built in 1964 by the Army Corps of Engineers. And the Army Corps of Engineers owns and manages the lake and the dam. Mm -hmm. So they control the water going out of the lake is the big thing they control, uh, and the property. They have leased a lot of the property along the lake to the Indiana Department of Natural Resources to operate as essentially a state park. Like Payne Town? You go to Payne Town or Fairfax or Cutright, all of those are managed by the DNR. Okay. And so those are the two main agencies that control the lake. And then City of Bloomington Utilities has a permit to pull water out of the lake for right. our drinking water. Yeah. Um, there's a couple private entities. There's a Boy Scout camp that's right on the lake. But for the most part, it's the Corps and the DNR. What about, aren't there private homes that have lakefront frontage? Very few. Oh, really? The way it works is the Army Corps of Engineers owns all the land up to the spillway elevation of the lake. That means that private land has to start kind of uphill from the water level. There was a a story not terribly long ago, several years ago, about people wanting to chop down their trees. And uh, we don't want that either because of, as you say, the erosion Right. So trees do a great job stabilizing the soil. And when Mm -hmm. those trees are removed, you worry a lot more about erosion. Um, So being able to clear a site for development or just to cut down the trees, that starts to fall under the Monroe County Planning Department, what is permitted or not permitted. And there are extra restrictions in what's called the ecozone. So that's the area around the lake that we know is a little more sensitive and we know has a little bigger potential for impact. So there are additional restrictions that people need to follow and not all doesn't always happen. People don't always either understand or care to follow those. Now let's go back to the drainage basin, the watershed area. Yep. They mean the same thing, am same I Same thing. Who controls that land? And there is no entity that controls the watershed. And that's part of the reason it's helpful to have a watershed coordinator and why it's named that way. There are a lot of groups involved. There are tons of private landowners in the watershed. There are multiple counties that have jurisdiction. There's the town of Nashville, a little bit of the city of Bloomington. Most of Bloomington lies outside the watershed. Hmm. There's no one person that can come in, no one organization that can say, Everyone in the watershed needs to do X. But you say you're a watershed coordinator, but what hammer do you have to hit people over the head with? It's a pretty small one. Going back to the Clean Water Act, which passed back in the 70s. Federal law. Federal law that looked at how do we clean up our water? How do we keep our rivers from catching fire? It was one of the... Cuyahoga River. Inciting incidents, yes. Yeah. So the big focus of the Clean Water Act is on what we call point source pollution. And that's basically a pipe discharging into a river or stream. So if you think of a wastewater treatment plant, treats, cleans up all our sewage, and then it discharges water. If you think of a factory that's using water to make a product, then they're discharging their excess waste stream. So any point source pollution 
all of those uh, factories and plants have to go through a permitting process that makes sure that the water they're releasing is not having too negative of an impact on the stream. Are you saying that there are those type of things going into Lake Monroe? Not a lot. We're very fortunate in that. There are... Can you identify them? There's a couple of small wastewater treatment plants. For yes. example, the town of Nashville, their yeah. wastewater goes into North Fork Salt Creek, which goes into, not their wastewater, the effluent from the wastewater treatment plant goes yeah. into North Fork Salt Creek, which feeds into Lake Monroe. I actually can't think of any factories offhand. So okay. anyway, let me go back. So Clean Water Act was focused on those point source pollution sources because they were big, they were significant. And that made some huge improvements. There's also what we call non-point source pollution. And that's basically anything that's on the ground that can get washed into a stream when it rains. So that's fertilizer on a farm field or manure or dog poop or uh, bare soil on a construction site or oil that leaks out of cars. Oh, there's plenty of that. So any of that stuff can get washed into our streams, but it's distributed. It's really hard to point a finger at one single source. Mm -hmm. So it's called non-point source. It's over a huge, a big area. There's lots of little sources that then can add up. And for non-point source pollution, there's not that permitting process where you can give someone a permit and test their water and say, oh, you're over the limit. You need to pay a fine and you need to fix it. For non-point source pollution, it's much more incentive-based. Can we uh, encourage people to make the right decisions by offering some financial support or some education or a combination of those? So we spent the last couple of years developing a watershed management plan, and that is basically a document that says, here are the issues and here are the proposed solutions. And then we pursued and received a second grant for implementing that program. And the big thing we're focusing on is working to encourage landowners to adopt soil and water conservation practices. So a lot of this is farm-related, so helping farmers apply fertilizer in a way that minimizes runoff or planting vegetation along the edge of streams to act as a sort of buffer that will filter runoff, fencing livestock out of streams so they're not depositing their manure directly. Mm. Manure, human or animal, also has a lot of nutrients in it, which can stimulate those harmful algal blooms we talked yeah. about. Uh, another thing that we are promoting is cover crops. And so that's if you have, say, a cornfield and you harvest the corn in the fall, that you would plant a second crop that would live through the winter and help stabilize that soil. Does anybody know what stuff is in Lake Monroe's water today? City of Bloomington Utilities is constantly monitoring water quality so they could uh, give you the some water numbers before treatment before okay. and after yes. both we have a lot of data from a couple years ago which i think is probably representative of where we are today i don't have any data that was collected right now our big focus was looking at sediment and nutrient level and testing for e coli which is an indicator of fecal contamination so those are the things i'm most familiar with there's been a lot of other testing done at the lake uh, for other chemicals that people worry about hey, hey what about the gasoline and uh, lubricant oil from the recreational craft 
it's definitely a concern, and we want to make sure people are following good practices when they do their boat maintenance and their refilling, because you don't want oil and gasoline in the lake. Yeah. Um, based on the data that I've seen, it's not a major concern at this point, thankfully. Okay. But it's definitely something we still educate about and that we work with. I don't know if you're familiar, Lake Monroe Sailing Association became a certified clean marina a couple years ago, which is a state program on introducing different ways that boaters can make sure they're not impacting water quality in the lake. And uh, Two Herons Marina just got certified last year. We now have two certified marinas, the only inland lake in Indiana that has any. Two Herons is at Cutright. Cutright. The other one, where is that? Lake Monroe Sailing Association is over by the Morse Creek Recreation Area. It's right by the drinking water treatment plant. You talked about your watershed plan, and that was uh, issued in uh, January of 2022. Correct. Again, you said you have a small hammer, but who buys into this? Who says, okay, that's a good plan, I'll, I'll cooperate? I think most people who use the lake are passionate about it and want to protect it. You know, I don't think people go out in their boats, you know, intending to pollute the lake. They, they want to preserve it for everyone. So we have a lot of people who uh, really want to see the lake preserved. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a lot of support from Monroe County government and specifically the Stormwater Board. They're focused on managing water quality from stormwater runoff throughout the county, and they definitely want to protect the lake especially. Um, we have a lot of support from the city and the utilities department because a clean lake water makes it a lot easier to produce clean drinking water yep. and cheaper. Once people understand that their drinking water comes from the lake, which not everyone does, people get excited about protecting the lake. The bigger challenge is working upstream in the watershed. A lot of the people who live in Brown County or Jackson County may not feel a connection to the lake at all, even though their property potentially has an impact on the lake. We've had a lot of success. People still want clean water. Everybody wants clean water. Yeah. Connecting with the streams that are closer to them that they're more interested in or more feel more connected to. Also, you know, we're in a position where we can try and get money from grants and from other funding and then offer that to people and businesses in the watershed to help support some of these practices that'll keep our drinking water clean. You have to get farmers to buy in. Yes. And are they doing it? Yes, we just launched our cost share program for mm -hmm. conservation practices. Yeah. And I have half a dozen farmers that I'm talking with that are interested in applying. And I'm hoping that list will continue to grow as we get the word out. And a lot of times, programs like this are good for helping farmers try something they've been thinking about, but they didn't want to invest in. So for example, the cover crops, like we talked about, a lot of farmers, once they have done it for a few years, they actually see that it improves the soil health as well as protecting water quality. Well, and that's a lot more work for them. It's more work. And they have to, I guess, buy seed and it's all an that It's an additional kind of expense. Yeah. But a lot of them see enough benefit that they feel that it's, it's worthwhile in addition to the water quality benefit. You said about a half dozen mm -hmm. uh, have applied. Yep. How many are there? Uh, a couple hundred, but a lot of them are very small operations. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a couple farmers that have much larger impact. How do you get the news out to them? 
Well, we are trying a variety of different tactics. We are working with the county soil and water conservation districts since they already work with local farmers. So they're helping us spread the word through their newsletters and their outreach. We've put things in local papers in all three counties. We have been attending events like the farmer breakfasts that happen in each county. Uh, We are reaching out to seed dealers and equipment dealers who work with farmers so that they know about the programs. Uh, We are planning to do a direct mailing, and so hopefully those things are getting the word out. It is a challenge, though. Are there farmers or just private landowners who, who might say, oh, there's those environmental people again. I don't have to listen to them. Do you have to put up with that? I haven't yet, but I anticipate it may happen. I yeah. tend not to lead with coming from Bloomington because Bloomington's got a reputation. Yeah, them. Them. <laughs> but on the other hand, we're not the government. So in some ways, we are more approachable in that respect. Uh-huh. And I feel if you come in offering money, that's a pretty pretty good uh, carrot to You can't beat stick that. Out. Again, you released the watershed plan in 2022. Mm-hmm. Has there been any measurable improvement since that time? I think it's early, way too early to tell in terms of seeing like water quality data change, but we're seeing a lot more awareness. We're seeing a lot of partnerships. We're seeing conversations that I don't think were happening before that plan was developed. And that's been really heartening to see. We held our first ever watershed summit last fall. Uh, We had 41 people from 27 different organizations come together on a beautiful Saturday morning and sit in a conference room for three hours to talk about how do we protect Lake Monroe. Mm. And that was amazing to see all those groups come together and say, yes, this is important to us. We want to take action. What organizations does the Friends of Lake Monroe work with? What are your partner organizations? There are many, and I will feel bad, but I'm sure to leave out someone. Uh, the Soil and Water Conservation Districts are one of our biggest partners. Uh, Natural Resource Conservation Services, obviously the Army Corps of Engineers and the Department of Natural Resources, since they actively manage the lake. Right. We are working with Community Foundation in Monroe County, hoping yeah. to make that connection in Brown County as well. We're working with government groups in Monroe, Brown, and Jackson County, commissioners, council. We are working with The League of Women Voters has actually been a big supporter in helping get the word out and organize some things. We're working with IU, several different divisions within IU. We are working with City of Bloomington, City of Bloomington Utilities. We definitely want to include as many people who are interested. So we've done some work with IFA, with um, Hoosier Environmental Council, with Sierra Club, with Audubon Society. The U.S. Forestry Service uh, has about 13,000 acres of land in the watershed area. Mm-hmm. They have this new project called the Houston South Project, and that, it, that includes prescribed burns, commercial logging, neither of which is terribly beneficial to the water quality in the lake. So the U.S. Forest Service has been a partner that has supported us and participated in developing our watershed management plan. So we're not antagonists. Well, you could say we're both. Okay. And the devil's in the details, right? 
So obviously we want them to be a partner because they do manage Hoosier National Forest and a large portion of that is in the watershed. All Deem Wilderness is in right. the watershed. Uh-huh. And they do a lot of cool projects studying water quality and as part of their forest management. Now, the Houston South Project is a pretty extensive timber harvest that's proposed that, as you said, would also involve uh, some burning and some herbicide application. But burning is, is not necessarily a negative thing. It, sometimes burning is for the good health of the forest. Yes. The question is how it's done and where it's done and how much of an impact there would be on the lake. Do we know the answer to those questions? It is debatable, I think is the fair answer. Does that lead us to a lawsuit that Friends of Lake Monroe has joined regarding, hey, Forest Service, study this more closely, please, before you put it into effect? That is exactly how it has happened. Do you think an agreement will be come to? I don't know. I hope so. It's in the courts. It's in the courts. Is there anybody, organization, people, any entity that works against what you think are the best interests of the lake? Hmm. Nobody comes to mind, which is good. I, I think, you know, in this area, this this era where we try so hard, it seems to divide everything into black and white and good and bad. There's a lot of gray area. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who maybe could be doing better, but I don't think there's anyone who's antagonistic. Climate change. Mm-hmm. What do you know about how that might affect water quality here? So the climate change projections for Indiana uh, talk a lot about change in weather patterns and specifically mm. rain. Mm-hmm. So we are starting to see, we're already seeing more and heavier rain events in the winter months and more drought periods during the summer months. When well, we yeah. see heavy rain events in the winter time, that's when the soil is least protected. That's when we don't have leaves on the trees that would slow the water down. Oh. We don't have crops growing on our cropland. And so there's much more potential for that water to hit the ground, find some bare soil, and wash it into our streams. Not being filtered. Soil saturated. It's just going to run right off. So that's a concern that we anticipate getting worse with climate change. And then on the flip side, if we're having more hot, dry summers, then we're increasing the conditions that those blue-green algae like and making it more likely that they're going to really take off in the summer months and uh, potentially cause some problems. Again, keep it here for more Deep Dives, a cooperative effort between WFHB News and Limestone Post magazine. Go to limestonepost.com each month for a new Deep Dive. My Lake Monroe water quality story will appear in the summer in Limestone Post with related follow-up reports here on WFHB. This is Big Talk. (laughs) 